At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And he scores at the baseline. Lakers quickly into the front court. What a pass. Kuzma dunks it. On a great pass from Lopez. Oh, Brooke Lopez. Show me that one again. Player says the Lakers now trail by four. But Brooke Lopez showcasing his passing ability. Behind the back to Kuzma. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Los Angeles Lakers are at 500 right now. They are in the playoffs. Playoffs? They are tied with the Denver Nuggets and the New Orleans Pelicans. We talking about playoffs? No, we're not. But they are at 500. They are better than LeBron James and the Cavs, and they are better than Paul George and the Oklahoma City Thunder. How did we get here? Tommy, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for asking. No problem. Alan, how are we doing? And how did how did how did we get here? <laughs> how do we get here? What do you mean how do we get here? Like the 5 and 5 stuff? Yeah, how are the Lakers good? I don't know. I think it's just the sports gods cuz I'm still depressed about the World Series and right now the Packers are losing on Monday Night Football, so just all that just means the Lakers need to be better for Tommy and me especially. 
And they have indeed been better. On today's show, we are going to get into some Luau Deng news, because apparently Luau Deng and the Lakers are talking about trying to find an agreement to buy him out, waive him, or trade him. And it seems like there's actually a market for that. And we're also going to focus on Julius Randle's role on the team currently and then moving forward and whether or not he'll be part of any Luau Deng package, as well as talk about whether or not we think the Lakers are a legitimately good team and how real that is this year as opposed to last year when the Lakers were also 7-5 and five at one point, 10-10 and 10 at one point, and then fizzled out due to injuries. Uh, before we get to that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more Disney Channel original movies and television shows Brooke Lopez will be watching to keep his game on top. Speaking of Disney Channel original movies and television shows, what movie or show would you want Brooke Lopez to watch next in his queue, Tommy? Smart House. Oh, man, I had that too. (laughs) Damn it. Alan, what about you? Um, I would say Goofy Movie. He's just like a Goofy Movie kind of guy. I feel like he could be one of the characters in there. Cool, but that's that's not technically a Disney, that's not Disney Channel, Channel original. original movie. Yeah, come on. Okay, that fine, fine. Brink, 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 Brink. Brink is good. Brink, <laughs> Brink, Brink is good. <laughs> I was gonna say Brink, and then when he said Brooke Lopez, I was like, ah, oh, Brooke Lopez seems like a goofy movie kind of guy. But yeah, Brink because of the competitive nature and like Team Puppin Suds coming back from like <laughs> being an underdog against Team Velcro or whatever the hell that V team was. I forgot what they were, but they were black and yellow. Nice. Okay. Well, I since really Tommy took. <laughs> It was a good movie, dude. (laughs) Team Puffin Suds. Well, since Tommy took my option of Smart House, I think I'm going to go with uh, Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior? Homecoming Princess? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I also think Brooke Lopez would like it. So, I mean, he did go out with Michelle Wee, right? Oh. Yeah. So there you go. Racial. Wendy Wu. So yes, Brooke Lopez, please watch all of those Disney Channel original movies, because ever since he's been started watching Disney Channel, he has been on fire. So please rate interview us to get that happening. Um, yeah. You might also like it. Luck of the Irish, because it, it's about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's a really good one, too, actually. That one is good, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember? We're going to keep talking about Disney Channel. There's a lot of good ones, dude. So in terms of TV shows, do you guys remember that one weird one about them chasing supernatural like ghosts and stuff? I forgot what it was called, though. It's like they live... It's like a... Do they live in like a motorhome thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An RV. And they'd like chase ghosts and stuff. But I forgot what it was called, but I always thought... Henry Winkler was in it, right? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Like the Ah, Bonds from Happy Days? I'm pretty sure he was. Was in he? That. I know what you're maybe, talking about. Maybe, maybe. I don't yeah. remember what was the heck called... that was called, but I did like it. Was it called So Weird? Yeah, So Weird. That's there it. you go. Yep, that's such that's a terrible it. title. Oh my god. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brooke Lopez. There you go. You got enough to satiate your hunger. Do you want? Do you want to explain why that came up? The Brooke Lopez and the Disney Disney movies and stuff. Oh, why don't you go ahead? Well, Kyle Kuzma said something about that, right? Is in a post game interview, Lonzo? Lonzo said something. Oh, it was Lonzo. That, wait, what did he say exactly? I can't even remember what the question. The question was completely unrelated. They were just somebody was like, 
Oh, Brooks has been playing well lately. That's like all they said. And like, and Lonzo, Lonzo was like, it's probably because he's been watching the Disney Channel a lot. Something and like totally that. outed him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was kind of like laughing, and nobody, I don't think anybody understood what he was what he was saying. Um, but it was quite funny, Ellen. And it's working. So <laughs> there you go. What a team of characters. <laughs> So please rate and review us on iTunes. Tommy, I told Alan now that we've crossed the 200 mark of ratings and reviews. Oh, thanks for updating me, God. Yeah, I know. I think it's realistic that our next goal would be to cross the 5,000 mark, right? So that please help. Very realistic. So please help us get to that mark. Uh, and yeah, so let's get straight into Lakers news. The last game the Lakers had was, was against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I'm entitling this episode... A rhythm to the madness, because it seems like the Lakers have finally found a sort of a groove and are settling in there really nice. And um, the last three games have been amazing, pretty much. I, I mean, including the Portland game, which they, you know, couldn't hold on to at the end. But the last three games, they've been, you know, especially gritty, active and showing a lot of fight. And then the Grizzlies game, you know, caveats aside with the Grizzlies being in L.A., second night of a back to back, etc. The Lakers pretty much had a double-digit lead for much of the night. Yes, they kind of relinquished it at the end there, but they were able to hold through. And so I wanted to get your guys' impressions first, general impressions of the Grizzlies game last night and how the Lakers have been doing just, I guess, the last three games or so to get to 500 and, you know, tie tie themselves to be in a playoff spot in the West. So, uh, Tommy, let's start with you. I thought they played very well. Um, I'm just amazed game by game that... They're able to keep this defensive intensity that they've been playing with at, at uh, this high of a level. Uh, it, it, you know, it didn't. They didn't hold it up quite for a full forty-eight minutes in the last game against Memphis. So, I wouldn't say that's concerning, but that's just like you know a thing. Hopefully, they learn from it. But just overall, their play has been so good. Like Memphis has been playing very solid basketball. They're a veteran team. I mean, they start. Like not just veterans, but veteran all stars and Marcus All and Mike Conley. Um, I guess beyond that, they they have been playing with some young guys uh, in their starting lineup or younger guys. But off the bench again, Brandon Wright, solid veteran. Um, Mario Chalmers, uh, Tyreek Evans is one of the bench, one of the best, if not the best, bench player in the NBA right now. So overall, very good roster, very good team that was playing good basketball and. We competed with, not only competed with them, but outplayed them um, over the course of a 48-minute game, which is very impressive. Yeah, Alan, what about you? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I pegged them as losing that game for sure, uh, despite the fact Memphis did play the night before, or the afternoon before against the Clippers. But um, I think we were all extremely impressed by Brandon Ingram and his aggressiveness, and this guy just looks like a completely different player from like 10 days ago, you know, the yeah. first couple games of the season were like, Oh God, like this <laughs> so looks like pre exactly. This looks like last year, pre all-star break, Brandon Ingram, you know, but, uh, something definitely flipped as far as, uh, like a switch in his mind. He did say after the game, like he's just playing angry now and he's thinking about all the things that he just really needs to do. And, um, how good of a player he actually is. So it sounds like a lot of it is just confidence and guys encouraging him and reminding him of what he's capable of. So that's great to see from a uh, maturity standpoint. And then, um, you know, of course at the end of the game, that wasn't ideal. (laughs) Um, With eight minutes to go, 
I like started making a conscious effort on every single offensive and defensive possession. Like, okay, let's see what we can do here. Cause that's when we brought the starters back in and very, very predictably things went downhill constantly for the last like seven minutes and 30 seconds of that game. So, um, that was unfortunate. You could see it coming though from a mile away and just chalk it up to a young team that's trying to trust, um, you know, their style of play down the stretch and, you could just see how careful they were being. And uh, thankfully it didn't slip away completely. Got a guy like KCP to step up at the end defensively and offensively. Um, so uh, that would have really sucked <laughs> if we'd blown that game. It would have been like, are you kidding me? You know, like all that progress and work for nothing. So um, good to see him pull it out. Good learning experience at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. We'll get into more detail with regards to how the Lakers are doing this, but I think three main things are the fact that Brooke Lopez obviously has been watching Disney Channel and has totally become the Brooke <laughs> Lopez that people know in terms of all-star Brooke Lopez. I mean, the last three games have been insane. Yep. Okay, the month of November, which is the last three games, 27 points, you know, only five rebounds, that's to be expected, 2.7 assists, two blocks, 56% from the field. 58% from three, making almost 3.7 a game, which is ridiculous. No, he's, he's, yeah. he's on fire, you know? And so Brooke Lopez has been a big factor in the Lakers, really uh, settling into a groove here. And then like Allen and Tommy said, Brandon Ingram just continuing to be super, super aggressive, taking the ball to the basket and being under control and using his length against guys like really good defenders like Mark Gasol you know he's been very very impressive and you know even the last game against the Grizzlies I think he had like 18 points in the first half right and then yep. he didn't force it in the second half he only had two points in the second half but what I liked is that he didn't he didn't respond by chucking up a bunch of bad ill ill-conceived shots after that and he just kind of let the game flow as it did and uh yeah, you know, Brandon Ingram has been very impressive and very consistent, especially in the month of November. And we'll get into more a little later. And then the other factor, obviously, with Larry Nance going down has been Kyle Kuzma in the starting lineup. And Kyle Kuzma still good, everybody. <laughs> Kyle Kuzma still hasn't had a bad game. I mean, in his first two starts, Kyle Kuzma has two double-doubles. And he's averaging 17 points and 11 rebounds because Kyle Kuzma, he's the king. So I think those three factors have led to the Lakers' turnaround, as well as obviously the bench continuing to play well and not lose a step, even with Kyle Kuzma going to the starting lineup. A lot of that credit goes to Jordan Clarkson and obviously Julius Randle being so efficient and effective in limited minutes, you know. So uh, the Lakers have one of the top benches in the league, and none of that has changed since Kyle Kuzma has gone into the starting lineup. So... um that a lot of that has to do with the late, you know, the Lakers defense has been consistent throughout, but I think their offense has finally come around a lot of that yep. due to obviously Brook Lopez being able to hit his outside shots and spread the floor. But I think everyone in general, you can just see the schemes begin to um, come together a little more, the passing, the cutting, the reading, making the extra pass that's happening a lot more. So yeah, it's been really, really encouraging to see the Lakers have a very tough schedule coming up. Um, on the road here, they face the Celtics and then the Wizards and Milwaukee. So if they can come out of that stretch, one and two, I'll be very happy. If they can somehow yeah. win two, that'll be amazing. But so far, you know, the Lakers, five and five, the second straight year where with Luke Walton as coach, where the Lakers after 10 games are at least at 500, which I think is pretty impressive. So before we get into the Luau Dang stuff, Julius Randle stuff. And this is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. 
It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. More about the team. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how Luke Walton's been doing because, you know, we've been, especially Tommy, we've been on the edge of really, you know, wondering whether or not this guy is actually smart and whether he actually has talent as a coach because sometimes he just makes nonsensical decisions. But given the small sample size we have of like a year and a half and Luke somehow getting this team to buy in on defense, you know, the weird rotations and stuff like that, notwithstanding. Yeah, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Luke because I've seen people on Twitter throw out some opinions where they're like, the Lakers should be eight and two if it were not for Luke Walton's (laughs) bad decision making in the New Orleans game, the Toronto game, et cetera, et cetera. Luke did make bad rotational decisions in that game, including putting in the starting lineup for a three-minute stretch against the Raptors that really killed the Lakers. And if people are using that logic in terms of the Lakers should be 8-2 and two if it wasn't for Luke, I am not down with that because for me, the fact that we're even having a conversation that the Lakers could have been 8-2 and two is more credit to Luke, in my opinion. And yes, shouldn't be used. Exactly. It shouldn't shouldn't be used as a knock on him. So I can't believe people. Are then, like, yeah, you're you're negating everything he did in the five wins. Yeah, and the fact that they were even in that game or even leading up till that point before he made a crucial mistake or whatever is also credit to Luke. You know what I mean? And overall, my thing is Luke is only this is only his second year as a head coach, and yep. he's not going to be perfect. He's going to make mistakes, and uh, the fact that. It seems like he's a guy who, even though he makes boneheaded mistakes, it seems like he adjusts really quickly. You know, he'll start Luau Dang and then he'll realize, okay, forget this, inactive. Kyle Kuzma is a rookie and this guy's averaging like 27 minutes per game from the start. So, I mean, Luke Walton, yes. Are there some weird decision-making things going on there? Yes. But I think overall, has the offense been ugly to start, you know, this season? Yes. But I'm most impressed by the defense, how he's gotten all these guys to buy in. KCP is not the only one holding this defense up. So 5-5, five and five, I'm very happy with 5-5. Five and five. I don't care if the Lakers might have, could have won 8-2 and two if Luke hadn't made this rotational decision this game or not. I just think we have to look at the bigger picture here. And the Luke has these guys competing. And that's all we could really ask for. Is, is he a Spolstra or a Brad Stevens prodigy? Probably not, but he's as solid as they come, and I think he's only going to get better. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Luke Walton's job so far? Yeah, we were, I think especially me, I don't know, maybe you disagree, but I was pretty critical of him um, early in the season and in the preseason. And I think, you know, and and this is like, you know, I, I should have known better, I guess, because we were always telling people like, oh, we're not supposed to overreact over you know, preseason game, don't overreact over an early season game. Like this team is still coming together. But I guess at some point for me, I got, I started to get a little bit annoyed and started to think like, okay, well, when is this talk going to end? And when are they actually just going to like show something? 
You know, like yeah. we can, we can sit around talking all year about like, Oh, it's still week one. Oh, it's still week two. Oh, it's only been a month and we're starting two rookies. Like when are the excuses going to end? And it really has not taken that long. And, uh, Luke has got this team completely playing exactly the way he said he wanted them to play. They're playing defense. They're, you know, top what six or seven. And, um, I, I guess everybody's got their own defensive metrics nowadays, but going off like, uh, the ESPN, which I think are Hollinger's metrics, I think the Lakers are tied for sixth in defensive efficiency, which is just stupid. Okay. And, uh, they are, you know, third in the NBA in pace. Um, mm-hmm. and to be that good defensively while also playing with that high of a pace, like the offensive efficiency will come and, I think Luke recognizes that. And for that reason, I just give him so much props because he has set up a system here that, you know, last year, like you mentioned, we were six and four after 10 games. And after that point, it was pretty much all downhill the rest of the season. And I think what we, what the difference is between last year and this year is this year we have something that's a little bit more sustainable. So even if we go 0 and 3 in this next like tough road stretch uh, that you were just talking about, because we're playing defense and competing at a high level defensively every night, we what we're doing right now is more sustainable. That's not to say we're going to be a 500 team to end the season, but it's just to say that like it's not just the case that we got off to a hot shooting start and you know other teams, you know, offense is the is slower for most teams to come by in the in the beginning of the season as teams are getting used to the plays and getting used to each other with new rookies and new, you know, free agent signings or trades or whatever from the offseason. So <laughs> offense always takes time, but because we've set up our defense now and that is just like there and it's like hopefully a given. Like I don't want to get too presumptuous, but you know, we're what 12% of the way through the season. So I think it's a pretty good sign that we're, we play this consistently. So uh, I give him huge props for that. Like you said, the minutes, this guy had no reason to play Kyle Kuzma big minutes this year. He had every, or at least this early, he had every excuse in the book to keep him out of the lineup. And he is rewarding guys for good play. When Larry Nance jr. Went down, he could have Luke could have overthunk it and said, okay, well, you know, whatever with his whole thing about like, I want to keep my rotations together. So I'm going to start Luol Deng and I'm going to keep Kuzma with that bench unit and, you know, still played Kuzma 30 minutes a game, but given Deng 15 minutes where he's hurting us a game, you know what I mean? And nobody would have questioned, well, people would have questioned him, but like the media would have been fine with it and they would have just taken that excuse at face value and they would have been like, okay, yeah, he's, I mean, Luke is serious about his, but no, he didn't do that. He approached it in a logical way. He's like, okay, Kuzma has been like arguably our most consistent player. Um, this season he plays defense, he competes for rebounds, he, and he can really score. And he plays most importantly, arguably he plays very, very well with Lonzo. So why not just start him? And he did it. And, you know, I, I just find myself as we go on and on questioning less and less of his decisions. And, for that, I give him I give him um, a huge amount of credit. Yeah, for sure, and I'm sure some people are raising the point. You know, Tommy, you just said he's rewarding guys who earned it, and people be like, would be like, "What about Julius Randle?" And we'll get to that in just a second. But Alan, I wanted to hear your thoughts on how you think Luke Walton is doing as well. I also wanted to add the context of what Luke Walton is working with before you start, because again, 
Luke Walton, outside of Brandon Ingram in that starting lineup, everybody else is brand new. And we are 5-5 five and five to start the season. Everybody's brand new. And he's starting two rookies, Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. One of those rookies, by the way, is shooting 30% from the field. And somehow we're 5-5. Five and five. So just wanted to lay that context out. And yeah, Alan, what, do you, what have you thought so far of uh, Luke's job here? Yeah, those are very, very good points. I found myself watching a lot of the games and looking at the lineup out there and be like, holy crap, there's literally one guy that was a Laker last year on the floor right now, and yet they, they're able to come together uh, pretty effectively. Um, Tommy, I do like what you said about the uh, sustainability, and Luke Walton even said, they asked him yesterday uh, in post game, you know, last year you guys were 6-4 and four through 10 games, and now you're 5-5, five and five, so like, what are some similarities you see between then and now? And like, you got off to such a hot start last year, 10 and 10, no one expected. It. And he said, well, we were shooting the lights out last year from three. And this year, that is not how we're winning. I mean, most of our points are coming in the paint. Um, I feel like every single yeah. game for this last week, it's like, oh, wow, the Lakers are destroying the other team with points in the paint. Um, so obviously, anyone would feel better about an offense that's thriving on high percentage shots as opposed to jacking it up from behind the arc, especially because our team is not built that way whatsoever, unless your name is Brooke Lopez or Kyle Kuzma, pretty much. Um, so as far as that goes, I feel a lot more confident in us being able to uh, maintain some consistency as far as our output goes. And uh, as far as other things from Luke, I mean, yeah, I would say to start the year, things were pretty rocky. But like you said, Jonathan, it's only his second year. And in addition to it only being his second year, the guy's in his 30s. You know, it's not like he sat in some front office somewhere. It's not like he was a, a TV analyst for 15 years or something and now is going to try coaching as a 40 or 50 year old or whatever. Like there are still guys in the NBA that he played with. So you have to take into account the fact that he's just not even an old person whatsoever and he needs to learn. Um, yeah. Not to be making excuses for him. But um, other than that, I would say, and this is not to say like, oh, look, I was right all along, but I've generally been a little more patient with Luke and have said like, you know, let's just kind of wait and see what happens. And I think that's just my personality. Like I kind of approach things that way. Um, to take a step back and wait and see. So, um, yeah, I'm very pleased to see that things are going very well for him at this point. And I think, um, you know, when like Larry Nance comes back in hopefully maybe four or five weeks, it's going to be really interesting to see how he juggles his minutes along with, uh, Kuzma's and Randall's and, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. The other thing I do like is, you know, like Tyler Ennis, for example, who's getting um, too many minutes within the first, like, couple games of the season. So far, we haven't really been seeing him much at all. Um, so there's a good adjustment of just not doling out minutes to anybody who's on the team. Corey Brewer, I mean, when he comes in every now and then, it's okay, but we've seen his minutes decrease as well. And um, I think he's starting to understand when it's the right time to put those types of dudes in the game. Yeah, for sure. And I think on top of it, the Lakers so so far have had the toughest strength of schedule to date. So keep that in mind as well. The Lakers are 5 and 5 
And I think for some people, like, again, for some people to spin this, and I think Kyle Kuzma said the statement, you know, we should be better than five and five, we should be around, you know, seven and three. Look, in a vacuum, if you want to say the Lakers could have been seven and three, that's fine. But if you're using that statement to knock Luke Walton, like, if it weren't for Luke, we should have been seven and three. I think that's totally just missing the point entirely of what Luke has done this season. And however way you get there, five and five is amazing to me, you know, this team is so young that they're going to have bumps and bruises learning how to finish games regardless of Luke's rotational decisions and they've been against quality teams too who have like some of the higher ranked offenses in the league you know what I mean exactly so in like 10 games if we play teams that are ranked in the top 10 in offense and then we're ranked where we are in defense that says a lot too yeah, for sure. So as as Tommy pointed out in terms of the Lakers are tied with Chicago right now, which is weird in defensive efficiency. <laughs> I don't know why Chicago is yeah. there. That kind of <laughs> makes me question the Lakers, but whatever. I know. It's like, oh, that just discredits <laughs> everything. But no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, they are they are tied six with Chicago in defensive efficiency. Their offense is slowly turning around. I think they were in the mid twenties, but now they're middle of the pack. They are also, like Tommy said, third in pace behind Brooklyn and Phoenix. So the fact that you can be third in pace and then be that good defensively is very impressive to me. Well, yeah, exactly. Because well, not to take this over, but Brooklyn and Phoenix are both like bottom five in the NBA in defensive efficiency. So. The fact that, like you were about to say, which before I rudely cut you off, (laughs) if you're playing at that fast of a pace and still playing this well defensively, it's amazing to me because I I just, it shows like how, 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 how much these guys have bought in and, um, uh, how smart they're playing in terms of knowing how to get back, whose responsibility it is to get back, not giving up a lot of, fast break, easy opportunities, and then locking guys down in half court, even though they're tired from sprinting up and down the court all day. Luke Walton has also gotten guys like Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle to buy in. I know Julius Randle took a little little time for Julius Randle to get there, but this guy, it doesn't matter how many minutes you give him anymore. You just put him out there and he's just giving forth like the same amount of energy he would if he were playing a 30 minute game even more so actually and then Jordan Clarkson this is the most efficient he's ever been in his career pretty much he is averaging the same amount of points and assists as he has his entire three seasons in the NBA but doing it in like nine minutes less he's 15 points three assists two rebounds in 20 minutes shooting 51 percent from the field and 40 percent from three I mean, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. You, you could Sam. definitely make a strong argument that he's the best player on the team right now. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair, and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information, and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, uh, plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? 
To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, it, it's weird. And then, okay, so I guess this is a good segue into Julius Randle. So... I think a lot of people may also be knocking Luke because they do not like the way that he's been handling Julius Randle. So I guess my first question is, and Tommy, you can start this out. What is going on with Julius Randle's minutes? Because at this point, he has played consistently very, very well and very well at the small ball center spot. But it seems like even with Larry Nance's injury, he's still only playing the small ball center spot. Well, but first I want to say credit Luke to actually getting Julius Randle to buy into playing that position and Julius Randle, um, you know, getting his body right to be able to handle, you know, that grind and take advantage of that. Um, So, yeah, I guess my question is, are we like, what are they, what's going on with Julius Randle's role? Obviously Luke has gotten him to buy into everything. I'm sure he'd love more minutes though. And at this point he definitely deserves it. He's playing defense. He's playing offense. His Tasmanian devilness is happening everywhere. So why isn't he getting more minutes, Tommy? So I think it's a combination of two things. I think one is, We've seen Luke introduce a variety of different concepts here in a very methodical way, showing a great deal of understanding and self-awareness of where the team is as a whole. Um, Pretty much, it's felt like from day one of training camp until game two of the NBA season, all they did was defense. And like it's it like he even said basically after like the last preseason game, oh we you know we kind of mocked him for this, but he was basically like, oh we haven't installed like any of the offense yet. And so the reason I bring that up is because I think the Lakers view Julius Randle to the extent they're going to keep him long term and to the extent he's going to have a long term NBA career as being a backup center. Um, and because of that. And because of what we're trying to do here, I think it it only makes sense then, okay, if you view him as a backup center, let's not introduce 10 things to this guy at once when we're not sure if he can handle it. He's Yes, he's been in the NBA a few years. He's still only 22 years old. There are many people in the country right now who are seniors in college that are his age. You know what I mean? So we don't know if how much he's capable of, of taking in at this point. Let's not confuse him. Let's not make him responsible for knowing all the center responsibilities defensively and offensively and knowing all the power forward responsibilities defensively, defensively and offensively. Even though you could argue, well, he's, he knew some of those from last year. The point is, let's not confuse him. Let's make everything very clear cut. And this is his role. And I'm just looking through the last few games as examples. And if you want to talk about minutes, it's like, okay, Memphis, Marcus all would have eat, eaten him up down the stretch. Marcus all's a big center. You have to counter that with size in the Brooklyn game. You could have argued he should have had more minutes. Okay. Well, he was in foul trouble and he fouled out of that game. He played 16 minutes and had six fouls, you know, like the trailblazer game. Again, they were, just completely working us with Nurkic. And I mean, you could even make the argument that Luke should have pulled Randall earlier in that game because Nurkic ate him up on a few plays like down the stretch and just got super, super easy buckets instead of forcing uh, Portland to execute a little bit. They just threw it into him and he shot it right over the head of Randall. So, you know, same thing. um, Even going back a game before that uh, against uh, the Pistons, 
did Randall not play against the Pistons? No, he played. 17 he played, minutes. Right? For, yeah. Okay, yeah. So against the Pistons, but it was like same sort of thing. Like in that game, we had to give some minutes to Andrew Bogut because Andre Drummond was just completely gobbling up every re- I mean, we actually only held him to 12, but he had four offensive rebounds. He's generally known as a rebounder. You can't keep Randall, and he played 35 minutes in that game. Like, how many minutes are you going to put Julius Randall in there against Andre Drummond as your only line of defense? So Bogut had to come in. So I think it's very, very contextual um, in terms of why his minutes are low, given our early season schedule, and also because of what I just said uh, with Luke trying to make sure that he really understands what his role is in terms of playing backup center. So a combination of those two things have contributed to him just not having a lot of minutes. Again, I think you could very easily make an, make an argument that, okay, now Nance is out. So some of the backup power forward minutes, you know, you could, I think Ingram has been kind of getting some of those and, Kyle Kuzma has been playing a very high volume of minutes, so you could argue maybe cut both of those guys slightly and give some of those minutes to Randall because he's been playing so well. Fair argument, but I think I think like he Luke at this stage only wants him to play center, and whether his rationale for doing so is right or wrong remains to be seen. But that's what they're going with, and in other facets of the game, it seems to have worked out. So. I'm all for let's let this ride until Luke feels comfortable that Randall can handle playing both positions at the same time, like simultaneously. Um, and, uh, and let's just see how it goes. So I, I get the criticism. Randall's playing amazingly in his limited minutes. He's shooting like 64%, which is just stupid because yeah, he takes a lot of, he takes a lot of high percentage shots, but they're not all dunks. Like these are shots that this guy, his entire career up to this Struggled point, with. I mean, I say his quote unquote, his entire career, it's been two years, but his entire career up to this point has struggled with, like you said, and he is excelling at these now. His touch, like taking contact and finishing at the rim, blowing my mind right now, <laughs> you know, so yeah. finishing in, in traffic in the paint, blowing my mind. So I, I think I would not rule out the possibility possibility that over the course of the season we start to see him integrated more with those power forward minutes and and we'll see his minutes spike up. But for now, I get what Luke is doing and I'm fine with it. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, Kyle Kuzma does not need to be playing 38 minutes a night. And, you know, Julius Randle could have used some of those minutes last night. But like you said, Marcus Gasol factor. And I think at the end of the day, I think they're just grooming Julius Randle, like you said, to be in the role he's going to be at. And whether that's, you know, backup center or even backup power forward, like I think he's going to be a very, very lethal bench player and we've seen him eat up these bench power forwards uh, you oh know my God. the, pi- it's like the pistons game to watch sometimes. yeah henry <laughs> ellison or whatever whoever they had as bench dudes, john like, lure john lure yeah john lure oh he was killing it he was killing, he was killing john and so so i bring julius randall up and you know the lack of minutes in the bench but shouldn't we also be crediting luke for the fact that julius randall is being so efficient in such a limited amount of time and the fact that he's eating up these bench dudes you know and i th- i feel like for me, whether or not we actually keep Julius Randle, 
I would argue that his value has risen from teams. Like, even if we want to trade him, his value to me has risen because all of a sudden, all teams knew about Julius Randle leading up until this year was, oh, he's a dude who needs the ball, and he's a very volatile kind of starter. Because we've only seen him in starting roles, right? And then whenever he comes off the bench for a few games, he pouts about it. But this year, somehow, we're seeing a Julius Randle who is efficient, who's active, who doesn't lose energy, who's competing on both ends of the floor. He's not doing too much all of a sudden. And he's doing it in twenty under 20 minutes, 20 minutes, you know? Not to say that he should always get 20 minutes. I agree that he should be getting more minutes. But Luke is showing all these other teams who may be interested in Julius Randle, like, hey, Julius Randle all of a sudden has become a plug-and-play player that you can put into any system. When have we ever said that about Julius Randle? Never. You know? he, can, he can play both ends now. It's like, what? So for me, look, if we keep Julius Randle, amazing, because Julius Randle already knows his role when... LeBron James comes or DeMarcus Cousins comes because guess what? He's going to be coming off the bench, right? So you don't even have to worry about how's Julius Randle going to handle this. It's like, oh, he's been doing it for a year and he's been bawling out at it already. So Lamar Odom status, right? So Alan, what have your thoughts been on this handling of Julius Randle? Yeah, Tommy, I think you you broke that down beautifully, my friend. Um, Especially just saying like as far as what he can handle from I don't want to like bash his basketball IQ or anything like that but right. you know I mean we've seen time and time again like what the heck is this guy thinking out there so once you get to know your personnel and what they're capable of and what their strengths and weaknesses are you can tailor how you're going to handle them from there and I I do think Luke has done a very good job with that and as pouty as Randall looked for the first couple games of the year he doesn't look like that at all so whatever kind of conversation they had or however he came to terms with things uh, it's clearly turned out for the better. And then I think just another rather obvious point is when you have Brooke Lopez making three, four, five, six three pointers a game, and like you said, when he's matched up against very good bigs, I mean, you got to put him in there at the five. And yeah. then when Kyle Kuzma is balling out and getting double doubles, well, what are you supposed to do with him? Just bench him for the sake of spreading out the minutes a little bit more? So. When, like you said, things are contextualized, I mean, nothing's going to be perfect. You know, these guys aren't going to get an even distribution of minutes. And again, our 5-5 and record alludes to the fact that the way these lineups have been handled has been very effective. So I do get it, like 20 minutes is not much, but say you give them 25 minutes, well now you're cutting into Brooks or you're cutting into Kuzma's, and those guys have been so productive themselves, um, you probably don't want to cut their minutes. Yeah, and I think eventually things will even themselves out. I mean, night by night, it's a fluid situation. And the fact that Luke is having these, it seems like he's having these conversations, these open conversations with his guys to let them know what they can expect on a night by night basis. And so far, I haven't heard any complaints from Julius Randle. I think the team has bought in, whether that's bought in rooting for their other teammates or bought in offensively, defensively. And I eventually think Julius Randle will settle into about 25 minutes or so. Um, so with that said, I guess the last topic that I wanted to hit upon, and I guess it also might involve Julius Randle, is the fact that Ramona Shelburne came out with an article today talking about how the Lakers and Luau Deng are trying to find a some resolution to the fact that he's still owed $18 million for the next three years, including this year. 
and he's not playing at all. Obviously, Luo Deng has said, I worked really... I mean, that article was kind of sad. He was like, I work really hard to play for this city, and I'm just not getting really my... Bad. I know, he's like, I'm just not getting my opportunity, and, you know, I know I'm making a lot of money, but my, my game has never been based on money. I did it for the love of the game, yada, yada. So that sucks on a very human level. But I think it's good that Luke's been very open and candid with him as well, and he's understood the situation thus far. And so now the Lakers are trying to meet Luau Deng in the middle. Um, and the most surprising thing to me about this news is Ramona Shelburne seemed to uh, intimate that the Lakers might have a market for Luau Deng. Um, she brought up the fact that teams are, you know, in order to take on Luau Deng, they're looking at the Lakers attaching Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, or Julius Randle. And when I heard Julius Randle's name, I, I was kind of surprised because as well as Julius Randle has been playing, you're pre- any team that trades for Julius Randle is pretty much trading for the rights to pay him $15 million. And then you add Luau Deng on top of that, and that's almost like $33 million that you're committing to for the long term, you know, f- for the chance to get Julius Randle on your team. And I'm not sure how many teams are willing to do that or have the cap space to do that, but I guess with how effective Julius Randle has been playing and he's been able to show us his ubiquity because he can do anything, you can plug him anywhere, um, teams might be open to now taking on Luau Deng and using, you know, and having Julius Randle be the sweetener there. So um, Ramona Schauber also brought up the fact that the Lakers might try and trade for shorter contracts and break up that big $18 million of Luau Dangs into two players with shorter contracts. So it seems now that the Lakers have wider possibilities than we had imagined because coming into this year, it was pretty much like, yeah, it might take Brandon Ingram to get rid of Luau Dang, or we might just have to stretch him and that's it, you know? But it's good to know that it seems like there might be wider possibilities than we had imagined. So, Tommy, I know you have... A lot of thoughts about this, and you've even brought up the, the possibility or the notion of breaking Luau Deng's salary down. So do you want to talk about your thoughts on the, this new development? Uh, yeah. So on your first point about the um, – uh, I think you make a good point that like uh, it's it's semi-surprising that Julius Randall's name popped up in these Luau Deng talks because like you said – Randall's obviously up for an extension, which will hit next season, um, the first year of which would be next season. And if you are taking Luol Deng, who after this year has two more seasons, that means, like you said, about $32 million, That's is going to be committed to these two guys who effectively play the same position. Um, I think a minor counter-argument to that would be okay that's 32 million but theoretically you're also sending back some money to us that's going to be not expiring like that's going to be multi-year contracts that you're sending out so maybe reduce that number slightly um in terms of what you were already going to spend anyway so uh i think there's that factor i i i think the factor that is most interesting to me and and theoretically could open up a lot of possibilities is if they do what I basically, I, I, I don't know if I ever said it on the show, but I know we talked about it a lot over the summer, which is take Luol Deng's contract and don't necessarily be like, okay, who's going to take him and with nothing coming back? Because in that scenario, it is going to cost you Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, you know, like three first rounders, one of those combination, you know, some combination of that, it's going to cost you to get rid of Luol Deng for nothing. If you're taking back Luol Deng for like multiple pieces or a mix of players with varying contract lengths coming back, 
I think that's totally fine. And if a team is willing to do something like that, that's great. And what kind of team might be willing to do something like that? I think it's limited, but you know, just off the uh, top of my head today, I was thinking, okay, because I saw this article, so I was like, what kind of team would do something like that? Okay, maybe a fringe playoff team that doesn't have a lot of power forward depth. And the one team that immediately came to mind was the New Orleans Pelicans. And this is just an example of what I think a Luel Deng trade could kind of look like. So Luel Deng is due about $17, 17500000 two years after this season. Like, let's just call it three years, including this season. The Pelicans currently have 16, 16, 16 and a half million sitting on their, at the end of their bench doing nothing. And that's two years left for these guys. And I'm talking about Alexia Jensa and Omer Ashik. And on top of that, the Pelicans have some pressure here to kind of make the playoffs. Like they have Anthony Davis, they have Drew Holiday signed to long-term deals. DeMarcus Cousins is about to be a free agent. They need to get, make sure he's on board and locked up. You know, this is the type of team with some young guys, some questionable, like, I'm not going to get into whether or not I think DeMarcus is like a questionable locker room guy, but they have some strong personalities, you you could say, that are there that maybe a veteran influence like Luol Deng could help with that kind of stuff. Um, he has playoff experience. This is a team that's trying to make the playoffs. They do not have a lot of forward depth um, off their bench. They have these two behemoths that they start. And their backup power forwards, are it's not a great situation for them. So you could see, like, okay, would you rather pay over the next two seasons Alexia Jinsa and Omar Ashik to sit on your bench and never play for $16.5 million, Or would you rather just pay Luol Deng $17 million to actually theoretically come in and do something? And even if this dude plays 15 minutes a game and shoots 38%, that's arguably better than what they're getting right now. And he could even get spot three back of three minutes because currently their backup three is Dante Cunningham and that fool is shooting 29% and 23% from three. So they need help. So obviously the big factor there is, okay, yeah, that's fine. It makes total sense for the next two years. Maybe you make that trade today if that's the case. But what about that extra third year that Dang has and these two guys don't have? And that's when you start getting into the, okay, well, how are, how are you trading? Are you trading wins now for, you know, payment in the future? Maybe the Lakers could throw in a pick. Uh, I don't know if it would be a first rounder in this scenario or maybe several second rounders and a team like New Orleans might find that attractive since they're not going to have cap space for a long time, especially if they keep DeMarcus. They need to accumulate some like cheap assets. Um, second round picks are cheap assets. You know, you could trade a first round pick. Um, Point is, these are the types of creative moves I think the Lakers can make. And then if you're on the Lakers side, it's like, okay, now you've broken down three years, 17 mil per year, down into two years, one contract that's five mil or five and a half mil, one contract that's like 11 and a half mil or so. And suddenly that becomes much easier to deal with. Now you have this five and a half mil contract that's going to be expire, expiring as of summer 2018 that might be a contract you could just move with like a second round pick to have somebody uh, take up for you. You know, we see that every year for a contract that low with Omar Ashik, maybe that contract's too big, but now you stretch Omar Ashik and you're saving much more than if you just stretch Luol Deng. And also it's less years because he only has one year. So his stretch would be three years as opposed to stretching Deng, which as we've talked about before would be five. So I think these are the types of things 
I, and that, all that being said, and, you know, so as I talk myself through it, sometimes it's like, I can rationalize it in my head that this makes sense. I fully acknowledge that even that is unlikely because that's how bad Luol Deng's contract is. But I think these are the types of things that they're looking for. And it might not be, in fact, I will say it is definitely not going to be as clean as the, you know, Mozgov thing, because in that case we gave up a lottery pick, um, essentially for an expiring. And I just don't know if we would be giving up another lottery pick in the form of a Brandon Ingram or something, something like, or even Kyle Kuzma to just to dump Luel Dang at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of my take on the situation and I hope they do go through or like, it's obviously it's not, if it was up to them, yes, they would go through it to, with it tomorrow. But I, I guess more so I'm hoping they find somebody or, or Luel Deng's agent finds somebody who's willing to go down this path and, and, uh, they're able to pitch Luel Deng as a contributing NBA player who can take up, you know, current, like roster spots that maybe your team is, has that are currently filled by guys that just don't play. And I think the main point you're trying to get at pretty much is that the Lakers should be more creative and it seems like they're planning to go that route, whether or not the team that they end up tr- trying to trade with accepts a deal like that we don't know but I mean it it makes sense and I think that doesn't mean that the Lakers are not going to give up any assets because obviously in your scenario Julius Randle is not being given in that trade so it'd be Luau Deng for these two guys' contracts and maybe you throw in a second rounder with Luau Deng right and then when you also have to deal with Omar Ashik and then Ajinsa or whatever. And then that's when you have to, that maybe you have to part with Jordan Clarkson to get rid of one of those guys, right? But now it's a lot easier to do that. And you yep. cleanly get rid of one of those guys. And then maybe it costs Zubats or whatever to get rid of, rid of another guy. But the fact is you're able to keep Julius Randle through this when initially Julie, keeping Julius Randle was not an option, correct? So they're yep. pretty much the point is if you can break Luau Deng's contract down to two players with maybe even a year, a year less than Luau Deng's, um, the Lakers can easily move those next two deals a lot easier than they can Luau Deng by himself. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to give up anything they are, but it, it just might not be as costly. So then my next question is, you know, even when I brought up Julius Randle at the start, you, it seemed like you didn't think that even if we traded Julius Randle, that we could cleanly get out of Luau Deng's deal. Now, Alan, I ask you, what if what if Julius Randle could absolve you of Luau Deng right off the bat? You get an expiring contract. However, I think I think with Luau Deng and Julius Randle combined, you'd have to get expiring contracts of up to like twenty four million, right? But let's say whichever team you trade with gives you expiring $24 million so that by summer 2018, you have $24 million off your books ready to spend on LeBron James and Paul George. If it cost you small ball center Julius Randle, which we didn't think it was a possibility, but he's able to wipe that clean, what would you do? Or, or what do you think about that scenario? Um, I'd, I'd probably do it. I mean, I know we just talked about how well he's been playing and how like proud of him (laughs) we are um and i mean if the guy can keep this up consistently and really buy into who he is as a player um you know we might have a little bit of that seller's remorse i guess you could say but at the end of it i mean you know we're bringing out names like brandon ingram and kyle kuzma and those are like hell no (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so to attach Julius to it, to absolve us of the dang contract and then get some expirings back. 
Uh, it would suck for sure, but I, I do think it would be something you pull the trigger on. It would be a necessary evil. Yeah, and I think to add on to that, the only reason why, and I'm not happy to do this, but even if the Lakers don't trade Julius Randle in a Luau Dang package, that does not ensure that Julius Randle stays on with the team, right? Because at the end of the day, they're trying to go for the two max plan. And if they need to clear up that space for LeBron James and Paul George, and I know there are ways to get Julius Randle, even with his $12 million cap hold, to stay on the team, they can still make their signings and wait for Julius Randle while keeping his cap hold. I know there are ways to do that, but it's just a lot more complicated. So... Even if you don't trade Julius Randle, I think that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean 100% he's going to be on the team next year. So given the fact that I think they're going to be weighing that and saying, well, we might need to let go of this guy one way or another. And if we can use him to get rid of Luau Deng entirely, almost the way we did D'Angelo Russell, I think the Lakers would strongly consider that. So Tommy, I don't know. What do you think about that? If you were able to get back expirings, because initially I don't think you, I think even if we added Julius Randle to a Luau Dang trade, you still think that we'd be getting at least contracts that would last at least till next year, right? Yeah, just because I just don't, and I could be totally wrong, but I, I, I'm i not aware of a team that would make this kind of trade that has that much expiring contract to dole out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, even assuming you're hypothetical though, um, you know, to just not get caught in the weeds and just assume that what you said is true. I, I don't know. It's so close. And and I think that Julius Randle as a potential backup five on a contending team has so much value given what we've seen this year, assuming he can sustain his defensive intensity because we are talking about Randle putting himself and it's not all about stats in the NBA as we are you know, like at least – Maybe advanced stats, you know, come into play a little bit more here, but not just like points, rebounds, you know, minutes, assists, steals, blocks, whatever. There is so much more to it than that. And I think when you're talking about backup centers or guys who can at least play the backup five who do what Julius Randle does, it is a short list. You know what I mean? Like you obviously have Draymond Green who is just in the league by himself. Okay. And you're never getting him. He's, he's locked into the Warriors forever. So if you're not getting Draymond Green, who's in a league by himself, who else is there out there? I honestly cannot think of anybody, and I feel like I follow the NBA pretty closely, who does what Randall does off the bench, either at the power forward spot or at the center spot. You know, maybe at the power forward spot, there are some guys who are kind of versatile power forwards who are similar to Randall, but nobody who can also play the center as effectively as he has this summer. So to me, that is worth a lot. And I know getting rid of Luel Dang is also worth a lot. Um, but I don't know if there's a set, if there's like a possibility, even I would almost say like trade two first rounders, if that's what it takes to get rid of Dang, you know, really aggressively work with him on a buyout. If the buyout number is going to come in less than the stretch, um, stretch Luel Dang and figure out other ways to clear space. You know what I mean? Like I, we've gone through the numbers before, so maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but it, it, I guess my perspective is it's worth the risk of Randall walking or, or you being forced to let him walk for nothing at the end of the season um, to have the chance to retain him for whatever kind of contending team you want to build next year, because I think he's that valuable as a bench big man um, moving forward for us. 
Yeah, I think the fact that it's close is a huge step in the right direction because, like we said, none of us expected this. Before we were like, God, if we could just get rid of him, if anybody would give us a, like a late first rounder, <laughs> that would be a steal. Yeah, but now, you know, we're thinking about it's close. We don't even, we might not even want to give him up. And this is not even including the fact that Jordan Clarkson is a legitimate asset. Kyle Kuzma yeah. is untouchable all of a sudden. It's but, funny that yeah. you can say, you can put Kyle Kuzma in any trade and you could probably get anybody you want, but, yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Jordan Clarkson, you could probably, now you can really trade Jordan Clarkson whenever you want yeah. to, or you can just let, kind of let it play out. You know what I mean? So I and think the it, Lakers have a good problem here. So yeah. And I think Jordan Clarkson, like we've talked about earlier, um, he's really upped his value a lot and, the thing about him is, although I don't really want to lose him either, because like Alan kind of said, you could make a strong case that he's been the best player for us this season um, through all the games. But as much as I like Jordan Clarkson and would I have a soft spot for guys that we've drafted, um, Jordan Clarkson does things that are replaceable. You know what I mean? Like he gives us really good – not saying they're easily replaceable, but they're replaceable. He gives us good bench scoring. He gets some assists. He plays solid defense. I'm saying there are guys who can give us some, at least some of those traits uh, we can get in other ways. Um, not saying it's going to be easy to do or whatever, but I just don't, I, you know, like I said, I, I mean, tweet us or somebody, please. I'm trying to think of, of somebody else who does what Randall does as a, as a bench big man. And I, I really can't. So when you're talking about just how rare it is, I think just by that criteria alone, you've got to give the the edge to Randall. If it comes down to we are able to get rid of Luol Deng for something and we end up ultimately – I mean, sorry. We are able to get rid of Luol Deng to a point where we are able to get two maxes and keep either one of Randall or Clarkson. I think the, at, at that point, the decision to me is clear that it's got to be Randall. So that's why, again, that I'm saying that it's, it's worth the risk for me that uh, – if it takes Randall at this stage to dump Dang, I think it's worth just holding on to him and seeing if there's something you can figure out, you know, early summer, midsummer, whatever, to to be able to keep uh, to keep Randall on this team. Yep. Either way, the Lakers are in a good spot, and they've really shepherded this situation really well. So credit to Luke. And uh, yeah, the Lakers are playing well. We have a tough road stretch coming up here. Um, if they can just win one, I think we'll all be happy. And you know, none of the stuff we said tonight, glowing all the glowing stuff we said about Luke and the team, I don't think even if the Lakers lose their next three, that that will discount anything we said tonight. Unless they get blown out in all three games and they look terrible. But I think with the way that they've been playing defense, they should at least make some of these games competitive. And in that sense, I don't think any of what we said tonight complimentary should be discounted. So uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because like we said, the more you rate interview us, more Disney Channel original movies for Brooke Lopez. Speaking of Brooke Lopez... Brooke, tell us what you've been watching on Disney Channel and what your favorite Disney Channel movie or TV show is. Well, uh, I just want to say, uh, what's up, guys? Uh, I, I was just on here recently, you know, and it was it was really fun chatting with y'all. Um, you know, it was just Halloween last Tuesday, so I, I watched some Halloween Town. <laughs> and uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's a sequel, so I did see Halloween Town 2. I <laughs> uh, watched those back-to-back. I had a... Had a really great time, and I gotta say, uh, Lonzo, uh, 
Don't act like you weren't there, man. This was actually all your idea. I'm surprised you even know about these movies, considering you were, like, one years old when they came out. But, uh, <laughs> guess Big Daddy LeVar taught you something, right? So, uh, yeah, you know, that's, um, that's pretty much all I've been up to. I'm also on that good, good, that good, good. <laughs> <laughs> While you watch Disney Channel. <laughs> oh, you know it, man. Candy goes real good with the good, good. Makes Halloween Town 2 a real trip of a sequel. <laughs> what, what, what is this good good that you guys were talking about? Oh, you know, that three-point <laughs> That celebration he when he out? was with Brooklyn, or when he, we played against Brooklyn, where he's knocking <laughs> down those trays and put up his uh, thumb and his index finger to his mouth and then threw the imaginary thing down on the ground. Uh, like that good good. That good good. <laughs> that good good. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Tommy, I will catch you later. Later. Alan, catch you later. Peace. All right. Peace out. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.